Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hainer. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership and visibility, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. We also publish exclusive material, offers and behind the scenes content in our Building Brand You Facebook group. And if you'd like to find out more about our Building Brand You coaching programs, you can book a free 20 minute call with me where we'll explore where you are and whether Building Brand You coaching is the right fit for you. You'll find both of those links, as well as many others, in the show notes. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in Building Brand You. Welcome to this feature length episode of Building Brand You. Today, I am delighted to welcome Imogen Cook. Filipino VAs or virtual assistants are exploding in popularity with many entrepreneurs and small business owners becoming increasingly curious as to whether this is a great affordable solution for them. Imogen Cook, the queen of delegation, has been living and breathing a company culture at the Freedom Geek of working remotely yet closely with Filipino VAs since 2017. She's helped hundreds of small business owners find and work with high quality Filipino VAs who have transformed their businesses. In fact, her entire business is run by her own unbelievably fabulous Filipino remote team. There can be a lot of fear around the decision of outsourcing local operations to an overseas Filipino VA or even a team of VAs. Will they speak English? Is it secure? Are you paying peanuts to get monkeys? And so on. Imogen is here to share what she's learned in over eight years of streamlining and systemizing her own business through the optimizing the talents of Filipino VAs. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Imogen Cook. Hello, Imogen. How are you today? Hi, Kim. Yes, really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, calling in from, well, rainy Istanbul, actually, but yeah, all good. (laughs) Yeah, we've just been talking about um, our respective places in the world, listeners. So obviously, uh, I'm in London, and today has dawned with cold but a bright blue crisp sky and it is just a bit uplifting so I think I shall send a photo to Imogen of it later on so she can be (laughs) uplifted by it too. Imogen thanks so much for joining us on the Building Brand New podcast uh, to give listeners a bit of context. Imogen and I have never met face to face, Uh, we've only met in the virtual world and I have been a client of uh, her business, The Freedom Geek, and that's how we've gotten to know each other. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the the show. But as with all our guests, Imogen, uh, where I'd like to start is for you to be able to tell listeners your story. Who is Imogen Cook? So I'm going to pass the mic over to you for you to get the ball rolling. Okay, thank you. There's a proper existential crisis (laughs) 
in the in that inherent in that one. So yeah, I um live a fairly unusual life, I suppose. Um I'll just say briefly, I'm the, an entrepreneur and the founder of the Freedom Geek. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, later in the podcast. I am also um, a digital nomad and um, I'm completely location independent. So that's probably one of the more interesting things about my life right now. Uh, Very, very passionate about travel. And um, nearly four years ago, it was April 2018, I quit the corporate world um, to run my own business, throw myself into that and start traveling the world. Um, And really didn't know at the time if I was going to make it through the first year. And obviously here we are four years later. So that kind of answers that question. Um, I know that Kim and I had a little bit of a chat um, before this podcast, just about the fact that she also got to a phase where she felt that she had to sort of leave the corporate life behind and start her own thing. So I think in some ways we've been on parallel paths with that. And then what else? I mean, outside of work, uh, my life involves mostly new experiences on the ground, wherever I am. Uh, I mentioned I'm currently here in Istanbul, so I've been doing a lot of food tours, (laughs) probably too many, but it's been great. Um, Walking tours, things like that, exploring different neighborhoods here. I've been organizing a digital nomad meetup every week that I've been here to get to know other travelers who are in town. Um, I love stand-up comedy. I I had a personal challenge myself to to try it and perform it. So I did that twice in Mexico City in English. There were English-speaking stand-up comedy nights. I actually went to a local night here um, in English. It was very interesting. The the Middle East, um, seeing that that kind of side um, of the culture, very dark humor. And, and then I'm learning. I love languages. I've been learning Turkish, just like Duolingo streak. But I know the odd word to say hello and thank you and random things like fish and bread um and then yeah no just I love to learn um I spent a lot of time in Mexico which I touched upon I was doing a lot of dance out there salsa bachata kizomba zouk um and then self-development and mindset and kind of lifelong learning is what I'm committed to um outside of of the business and running the business and I do work hard by the way I'm quite long hours still um and then I love speaker opportunities like this I really really do I'm always very grateful and and continue to be very grateful for podcasts, online business events, conferences, etc. Whenever I'm invited to speak, it's it's something that I really want to develop for myself for many reasons. What a life! What <laughs> a life! I'm exhausted just listening to that. It's interesting you you mentioned um, Imogen that it was probably about the same time because you mentioned four years ago, and that's when sort of my my move started to happen. Although I was resisting it because I told myself for probably about nine months after. Yeah that I kind of went, no, 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 I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a corporate girl, all of that sort of thing. (laughs) So, you know, there'll be lots of listeners who may be in jobs, in careers and that sort of thing who don't want to change, but there will also be a lot of listeners who have toyed with the idea of leaving and, and what makes someone take that leap. So what was it for you that you decided I've had enough, this is not for me? Mm. So 2017 was kind of like a personal year of hell for me, to be honest. There were like many, many, many bad things that happened that year. The business that I'd been working for in the corporate world got bought out by another business. And I had been really happy with the team that I'd been working with. We'd been stable for five years. We were pretty good friends. We made each other laugh every day. There was a great environment at work uh, from that perspective. The role, there were moments I enjoyed and the moments I didn't enjoy. I always just had a feeling that I would be much better at something else. And I couldn't shake that. And I've always felt that way. And there's never been a job where I felt 
it was fully me or that I could fully do what I wanted to do. Um, Because I do think I'm one of those entrepreneurs that's actually borderline unemployable. The more honest that I get about that, the more things shift. So (laughs) we're kind of crazy people. But like it's it's especially now because, you know, the more I do it, the more like I fall in love with that as a way of life. And there's a lot of freedom and a lot of responsibility on me at the same time. I have I have a team of eight people working for me. If the business were to fold, then, you know, it's not just me that would go down. And the bigger a business grows, the more that you're aware of that and the families that you support through that. So this isn't a game. But at the same time, I do love what I do and I feel like I've got an instinct for it. Um, I certainly never really felt about that, about corporate jobs. Um, but yeah, no, that year I had a bad breakup. I broke my leg. I There was that takeover, like a team that had been stable for five years. Half the team had left within a couple of months and and more, like probably most areas of my life from 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 love to, to health with a broken leg. I did not take that very well because uh, I couldn't move around very easily. And I don't know how people hobble around on crutches. I see them and I'm like, that's amazing. I I, I just couldn't really cope with it. I just found it really hard. I'm pretty active, but I just, one foot and two sticks are not a great mobility system. That's what I found. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything. But I, I just thought I can't do this anymore. And I thought I'm going to change everything. So 2018, I decided um, I'm going to start traveling. I actually, the first year I signed up with a program called Remote Year. So you travel around the world in a group. And that's what I did the first year. And then kind of went independent after that. Um, I'd been eyeing up this travel company for a while, travel company, this kind of like digital nomad facilitator that you can travel with a group. You have to have your own income. And then I just I just thought it's now or never. Like, what am I waiting for? Am I waiting to get more frustrated, older? I was like, what is the just do it now? And it's funny because it made me laugh because I thought about this and I'm sure there was another entrepreneur or podcast or something that I was listening to. And it talked about what's the worst case scenario? And I was like, the worst case scenario is I go for this. It doesn't work out. So then I come back into corporate, I get another job um, and, you know, I continue. And I'm like, that means I'm already living the worst case scenario. If you want to bring it full full loop. And I'm like, well, that's just ridiculous. And, you know, I didn't have, I was listening to um, Entrepreneur on Fire and John Lee Dumas, that podcast quite a bit. And I was listening to all these entrepreneurs that were that were making a jump with huge responsibilities, children, mortgages, things that I just don't really have. I mean, I own I own investment properties, but I rent them out. And I was like, the only person that I'm going to mess things up for is myself. And I don't, you know, I was listening to stories who'd done it with much bigger problems in some ways than I had. And I just thought if they can do it, I can at least try. And those things all came together. I, I, I also had a birthday with my birthday was in March. And I was like, I'm going to do this before my birthday. And I did hand in my notice before my birthday. My, my ticket to South Africa, my first destination was in April. So that's why I remember the date quite clearly as well, because I'm terrible with dates. I barely know what day it is. But that was a very significant day for me. And traveling as well, it marks quite significant chapters of where you are, because you've got quite you know a strong memory and association of what time you were there and what happened. So yeah, it was it was that. I think it's either it's quite often the pain of something that really I think triggers a lot of transformation in people. They feel for whatever reason that they've hit a particular breaking point. And that that was definitely true for me. And it wasn't easy that first year. I would not do it the same way if I did it again, but it was definitely worthwhile. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I'm in a similar position in that I didn't have, you know, children or husbands or big responsibilities and that sort of thing. So there was only me, but it, it was a bit like you said, it was like, well, 
you know, who am I not to give it a try? Just, you know, if you try and it doesn't go well, you know, there are always other options. But if I don't try it, there's something I think you're right, that the pain of staying where we are all of a sudden for me made me go, I can't do this anymore. It was almost like a switch yeah. for me when I had the epiphany and set up the business. So that you're right. I think it's I think it's very rarely that aspirational pull. We might have the dream, but actually it's something that happens in our life, whether it's business, um, whether it's, you know, as you said, lots of other things coming into play yeah. and all of a sudden you go, is this the life I really want? Is this, is this what I'm doing? Is this what I'm building? Yeah, it's like external, internal or the buildup of both and you just hit that wall and you just say the last day is is today or as, as soon as I can make it and that's it. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think too, you know, if I look back on my first year, I kind of went, yeah, it was a struggle, but then I just, I kind of just leapt a bit like you did. There was, a, it sounds like there was a moment for both of us where we both said no enough, yeah. enough. And the company I was working for was taken over. So I had a bit of a package. So I had a bit of a cushion, but at the same time that wasn't going to last forever. And it certainly didn't. Uh, so there was, you know, that first year, it, it was challenging on all sorts of fronts. So, but I do wonder if I hadn't leapt, if I had have been more, I don't know, circumspect or analysed all the risks, whether I would have ever done it. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny. Just on the back, I had six months. I sold an investment. I had six months to, to, to make it. I was very aware would I, do you know what the really weird thing I've been thinking about this? Because, you know, 2018, so if I hadn't quit, I would have continued and then we would have hit COVID. And wow, if I was miserable then, <laughs> before, like all the joy outside of work would have, and inside in a lot of ways, the interaction with colleagues, et cetera, um, that would all have been removed. And I know that I would have been in a really dark place. I can't really even imagine. And fortunately for me, um, and I'm sorry for everybody who had a different experience, but COVID was a time of growth for my business. And we were online. A lot of people started exploring their other options, their side hustles, the businesses they were already growing, the business they wanted to grow, and they hired virtual assistants as part of that. And so we thankfully and even on the candidate side the filipino like country was locked at home so everyone had to have a work from home job so our applicants saw it as well and i'm really grateful for that and i know that not every business experienced that there's always you know it both crushed and created opportunities that that period and i remember just being so thankful that i wasn't in my old position and it did cross my mind that if i had been it would have been the darkest time yet mm. um and i just thought my timing was almost perfect considering because I did a lot of travel before COVID hit I had a couple of years and then I, I've been in Mexico for a lot of it so I've actually been in a better climate than people in the UK have experienced for freedom shall we say I really don't know what that would have done to me but it was time it was there's no way I could have stayed I, I just there was no way back I just reached that day so it's hard for me to imagine but at the same time I do have an awareness because I was in that world for over a decade so I know what it might have felt like. And it just, it just, it, it, I don't know, kind of freaks me out. I think about it. And I just, one thing about having taken so long to make the leap is I am so grateful because I know what it's like to walk a different path for a long time where you don't feel fulfilled and satisfied and you feel that there's something a little bit wrong. I think you enjoyed your career a lot more than I did from us talking about it. Yeah. So that gratitude will never go away. Even on my worst days, I'm still grateful because it's never you know, at least it's my choice and my vision and my freedom and, you know, my 
my journey, I guess. Yeah, and your responsibility. There's something really empowering, I think, when and scary as well Mm. when you first go, right, I am completely responsible for myself and my team and and making this work and all yeah. of that sort of thing. You're right. I did. I enjoyed my career. You know, I had 28 years of pretty much amazing jobs. You know, there were a few downtimes like there always are. But I, I did get to the point uh, at the end of the last one where I started to, I loved the role, but I started to feel a bit squashed. And when I left corporate life and looked back and I kind of went, oh, my goodness, it was like I was holding myself in and the sort of the freedom and and joy I feel in what I do now and being responsible for it. It was scary at first, but I enjoy that because now I, I feel like, well, yes, I can create this. I do have the power to shape the life I want. I haven't done quite the, the traveling um, that you have. I am located in the UK. I do like a, a base. But, you know, one of the milestones for me is uh, I haven't seen my family in Australia for three years and I have just booked to spend two months out in Australia. Now I can work from there. I'm going to do some holidays there. But that was a goal of setting up this business. So just as you sort of left and went, well, I want to travel, I want all these other things, mm-hmm. part of my reason was, was setting up to say, I want to spend time with the people who are important to me. Just dashing in and out for a holiday is, is not yeah. that- No, congratulations. I think that, you know, that's obviously going to be a fantastic time. It's funny, you talked about like being lit up by it and it's true, it shifts you and it does sort of, I don't know, it unlocks you, I mm. think, and, and even outside of work. So I kind of started saying, you know, I've always loved obviously exploring, but things like learning to dance and trying stand-up comedy and my emotional intuition I've noticed has gone through the roof in terms of what it used to be and I think that's because I had it so locked down to not face up to a few things about my previous situation whereas now I I, like it's really weird my emotional intuition is is really strong in ways and that I can tap into it in ways that I've never been able to before and that's been an interesting shift that I wasn't expecting you know, and people are like, you're doing that? And I'm like, I know. Who <laughs> <laughs> is this person? <laughs> yeah. But, like, it sounds scary. I'm like, everything's scary. Like, what do you want? Just get yeah. out there and embrace it. <laughs> yeah. And and it, I think we spend so much time, well, I mean, for me particularly in corporate life, as human beings, we like comfort and we like safety and the brain yeah. gets very, very noisy when we start to do new things. And at first, yeah, it's kind of terrifying and and but it's like building a muscle it's Mm. like you know when you when you learn to ride a bike nothing works nothing fits we don't trust ourselves we don't trust our intuition and the more we do it you know driving a car as well you know you just leap on or leap in and away you go whereas when you first started to do that new thing it it was exhausting and and scary and all that sort of thing and I do think there's something in what you say about there's being scared and exhilarated at the same time by trying Mm -hmm. something new learning something new exploring something and I think that builds our resilience as well which I think is a key thing when you're becoming an entrepreneur um, but in all facets yeah absolutely you're going to make mistakes and it's you know and it's going to mag like what do they like multiplying your mistakes will also multiply your success as you learn and adapt and evolve and if as long as you're perceptive enough to see the bigger picture so 
yeah, it's it's just part of it. It definitely is. So tell me a little bit about, um, obviously you you left and went travelling and did some stuff and then all of a sudden the Freedom Gig happened and I'm sure it wasn't all of a sudden. Tell us a little bit about how you either saw or came across it as an opportunity and, and how that kind of evolved for you. Yeah, so the Freedom Geek is 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 older than my traveling adventures, and it's it, it predates my 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 little breakdown as well, or breakthrough, however you want to see it. And it was also an accident. This whole business was an accident. I I mean, my whole life since graduating university, I went to the business startup show. I was obsessed with entrepreneurship, but I didn't really know my place in it or how to do it. But I was very attracted to anything that I came across that was related to that. And I tried to launch and run an events business and I didn't really make any money from it. So then I got disheartened. This was quite a few years ago and pulled back from it. And then um, a friend of mine invited me to go to this um, training to learn about investing in property. And I actually had quite a negative internal reaction to that invitation. I just thought, ugh, doesn't sound very interesting. And But I had a rule for myself at that time, which I don't anymore um, the rule for myself was really to say yes, unless I had a good reason to say no. Now I'm a little bit more careful just because I know what I want to dedicate my time to. And there you have to like align your yeses and your noes with that. But at that time I was in a don't have a clue mode. And then I think it's really good to say yes to stuff. And when I say a good reason, I mean, the good reasons was I've tried it before and I know I don't like it. Otherwise say yes. So I went along and that that kind of education that I got um, and there are many educators and, and some of them are great and some of them are not so great. But if they take you on the right path and if they are great, um, it can really change your life. And they really showed me how property investing could be a business. I didn't, although I was obsessed with business, I didn't really associate the two. It sounds a bit weird. So when they started showing and I'd been a landlord, I already was a landlord. I had an investment property in the Southeast and I'd made every mistake. You, I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes on that property. So when they started talking about how you do it, I was like, oh yeah, I've been doing the opposite of that. You're right. It doesn't work the other way. I really learned a lot. And then that took me on kind of a path where outside of work, I was still working full-time in corporate world. I learned and I learned and I learned and I learned how to raise money from angel investors. And I raised money and I started buying some investment properties with the money that I had raised. But at the beginning, I had no knowledge, not very much money and no time, which is not a great combination. So I went very heavy on the knowledge and resourcefulness, the money I managed to get from other people through the knowledge. And then the time that's when I started working with Filipinos. I went out, I, I'd heard good things. I hired a Filipino person. I had no idea what I was doing. And again, I made every mistake you can possibly make and it didn't work out. Um, but then I, I knew that there was something in it. I could really feel it. And I'm I, at that time, I mean something in it for me to help me with my situation in my life. Um, because one thing I did notice is when I ran an advert for this person, the volume of applicants was insane. Like I was just like, oh, my goodness, they completely swamped. And I, I was like, there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of people that want to help me. I'm sure there's some good people in this bunch. I'm just apparently not very good at selecting them. So let's like try a new process for that. So that's when I started using a lot of filters, asking them to take tests, um, getting them, you know, designing systems that would you know, they would rule themselves out really quickly, you know, and I was just left with a much smaller volume of applicants to look at. The people who were, were not making mistakes were more committed, you know, had just done things to a high standard already. And then from that, I got my first couple of great hires and I started 
um, delegating like these tasks with this business that I was running in property still outside of my corporate job. And they started making my life a bit easier and we got more done and things got a little bit, well, I don't know if it's not less chaotic, but it felt a little bit more under control. So I got, I got, I started to get quite good at that. And then um, I'm, I mentioned about, I don't know, maybe three, six months in, I can't really remember now. I mentioned to a couple of other property investors that I'd done this and they were absolutely fascinated. And the questions that started coming through, because for a lot of entrepreneurial people, you know, it's time more than money that they are more obsessed with. And what I found is as a newbie property investor who hadn't done much in a world of some really sophisticated, experienced people out there in those circles, I wasn't that interesting except that i'd raised money people were quite interested in that and how that uh, how i'd done that and then they were very interested in the filipino outsourcing and I, I wasn't anticipating it so people that were kind of quite well known in the community started talking to me about it as well and i i answered all these questions and then it was almost immediate that someone was like you do it for me i want one i'll pay you so i i was like okay and um, didn't even know what to charge them. I remember I was like, I've sold this thing. I was Googling. I'm like, how much should I charge for this? I don't know. What looked at, you know, what kind of agencies out there were doing and got some benchmarking and was like, right, okay, now I think I kind of know. And that was how it started. And I never promoted us really. And it was just from the first guy, I think within a week, the second guy appeared going, you did this for this guy. I want one too. And then it, it just, it, it doubled, it doubled again. It doubled again. The first three years, we doubled every year through word of mouth, through me not promoting at all. And at that time, I was pretty stressed. I touched upon that I hit a stress point, but you've got to bear in mind, I'm still working full-time in the city. I've got a property investing business. And all of a sudden, I've got this business that started itself by accident or conversations that I had with people. And, and I started it really online. People were like, can I meet for coffee? And I was like, I'm sorry, no, I work full time. If you want to come to my work building and meet me on my doorstep for my lunch break, I can see you for coffee. Otherwise, I work weekends, I work evenings. I, I'm like, I'm really busy. So please, can we do this over the phone? Because I can speak to three, four people over the phone instead of traveling around London to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, OK, fair enough. We're busy. Get it. Sometimes they wanted a video call instead of a phone call. They wanted to have a look at me because some people are like, well, what what do you look like? Let me eyeball yeah. you before I give you any. Yeah. Any <laughs> I'm like, all right, if you want to do that, that's fine. I'll try and tidy my room. Um, and then, yeah, no, it went from there. And then by the time that I was at that breaking point, the business was growing, but it was still break even. It couldn't really support me. It could support my Filipino team and it kept growing, but it couldn't really support me. And I just thought, in the next six months, I'll sell this one investment. In the next six months, it needs to at least partially support me. And that first year, I also got like a part-time job teaching Chinese people English literature because I've got an English literature degree, which I've never used and no one's ever been interested in. And all of a sudden, it was useful because I changed my life. And I did that to support myself a little bit so I didn't drain the business as it was growing just whatever it took, but I wanted to stay fully remote. As soon as I made that jump, the freedom of it, the independence, you know, the city is a real bubble. And with some jobs in, they've got quite traditional minds. They don't want you out of the office. They want you there. You know, maybe COVID's arguably shifted that for some people. I think the old fashioned financial institutions may struggle to get out of that mindset. It, it, that's it. And then it continues to grow. 
um, my focus this year is really on our profitability because our growth has, has not really slowed us down, but I'm kind of like raising our value, raising our prices, um, diversifying services. I'll talk about that a little bit later. So, um, and growing my team. And it's just been an incredible journey. The first year was really hard. I think in some ways my life might sound very glamorous, but you know, that first year of traveling, I did not drink. I worked really long days. Um, I didn't travel within the environment that I was in. I would go to like a place and I would do explore that particular spot and cities and do some of the most amazing cultural experiences I could find there. But I didn't really eat out. I didn't drink alcohol. The rest of the time I was just working and completely immersed in it. So there were two big changes and they were quite hard to balance against each other. But, you know, like any big transition, I get better and better and better at the balance and refining and working out my place within it. So that's been a journey of its own. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, what what an extraordinary journey. I, I can't imagine balancing a full-time job, a property investment business, and trying to sort of think, okay, there's something happening over here that's really exciting and I sort of want to do it, but I'm stretched. Where do I shove it in? And all of that sort of thing. And as you said, there's there's a point, isn't there, where, where it's almost like life contrives to put mm. you in a certain situation where you need to make a choice. Yeah. And and people, I think, can be amazing, though. I always think when I hear like I deal with business founders sometimes and they've got like a baby and a three year old and Mm. they're growing a business and they're doing really well. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the intensity of what you're going through and and what you're managing. And you might, you know, feel like you're in chaos, but you are managing it because you're proactively talking to me and sorting something out. So I know that you're managing it on some level. And so, you know, what I did is not that unusual in terms of people taking on multiple life commitments at once I think especially women sometimes like no offense to guys but like it does sometimes like the intensity of those things becomes a real challenge and you just do it and hope that it gets less intense yeah for for certain people yeah it will yeah yeah I think so in you know your initial experiences with Filipino VAs so I've sourced uh three people through my current team through the Freedom Gate. So disclosure for everybody listening. So tell me a little bit about why Filipinos make such good VAs. Yeah, there's there's several components um, to it. One is that that market is quite accessible to us and has been accessible for quite a while. So what I mean by that is I continue and am looking into other markets. I've tried to launch in a couple. It hasn't worked out for various reasons. One I've been trying to crack for a little while that I haven't completely got to the end of my determination to either crack it or give up on it is the Latin American market because I I love that part of the world and spending time there and the culture. But for example, I can't post, I can't easily post adverts to Venezuela or Colombia or Mexico because Um, I don't have a local business registration ID. I'm a UK business. So for tax purposes, that's very controlled in certain countries. And it means that we cannot easily reach out to people through platforms in an easy access way. With the Philippines, that's not so true. There's some big job boards. Anyone can hop on there, run adverts and get replies. So with, with certain regions, that's very easy. With other regions, it's a massive barrier to entry. Because ideally, when you if you're going to look to recruit a great VA, you want a choice and you want to filter them and funnel them so the best people come to you. So you need to start with volume. So without being able to get into the, the market, that's a bit of a, a barrier. But I'm still looking at that and, and figuring out how to do it, basically. But that's that's a bit of a sideline. I, I do love working with the Philippines. There's nothing, there's no problems with it. 
I think that the challenge is partly our growth, which is just huge. We just need more and more candidates constantly. And also the time zone to a little extent. Now, it can work very, very well um, if you set it up with the right systems. But I do also personally love the idea. Let's say if I did crack the Latin American market, it would mean that I could go 24-5 and no one would be on a night shift. That's quite interesting. So I'm like, huh. And especially because I'm getting more and more clients from the US as well as the UK. UK it's pretty, it runs pretty smoothly. Uh, regions like Australia, fantastic. So the time difference is not too bad for them. US is a challenge and I'm getting, like I say, there's a growing market from the US and Canada. I think especially because I have been in Mexico and I'm meeting a lot of people from the region. And so that's been a little part of it. But the, I mean, the Filipinos themselves, incredible. So the, the US has been outsourcing call centers to the Philippines for years, and they are one of the best places to recruit Filipinos from. So a Filipino that's been working, a Filipino person who's been working in a call center five, 10 years, whose English is incredible because they've been speaking on the phone in English all day, every day, whose customer service is incredible and who is fed up because they can't work from home, they can't progress, they're really talented, and all they can really do in a call centre is become a slightly higher management tier through a bureaucratic process. And so sometimes those people can come into a small business, become your number two, or you know, if you're a small team, whatever it is, and do a bit of the different things you need help with from marketing, operations, financials, whatever it is, there's so many different things, and I love it for the variety, the diversity, the, the chance to feel that they're making a difference and helping a business grow, having a direct relationship with a business founder, having flexible hours, a lot of our clients offer that, having a work from home career, that can be massively transformational for both sides. So that's really interesting. And so that, that background of the US outsourcing, the same way that the UK kind of did with India, and some of them continued and some of them didn't, but the US had quite a lot of success with going to the Philippines. The, the people, um, their English is, is phenomenal. Um, I think it's just taken very seriously in the Philippines that you learn English for your career. Because, for example, their English, it's much stronger than the rest of the Asia, their neighbours, etc. They're just very, very good at speaking English. I don't think anyone in my team has ever asked me to repeat myself, ever. And some of them, they're not even really used to the English accent. They learn American English. So, you know, I've had Americans ask me to repeat myself five times. I, I have not really had a Filipino person... It's rare and it would only be once. And I, I I would usually rephrase just to help them along. And then, you know, we have we have the UK audience and we've had Scottish accents and Irish accents and Welsh accents and Brummie accents and Geordie accents and all sorts that have been thrown at my team. And when I was doing sales, I've replaced myself with a salesperson now from the Philippines. But I remember like handing them over to a relationship manager and being like, by the way, this person's got an interesting accent. So uh, good luck. Because <laughs> I was like. If coming from London, if I'm like, if it's quite, if I have to concentrate, but we never had a problem. So their English really can be really phenomenal. Um, but that's not just it. It's it's them. They are humble, polite, sweet, hardworking, professional. I mean, culturally, the standard, the the, the joy of working with them, it, it's just been the best working environment I've ever had in my life. And not because it's my company. I try really hard to develop people and make sure that people are happy and aligned to work. And I think I get it right most of the time. They're just so amazing to work with, so genuine and authentic. And um, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. The, it's funny because I think the things that are, little, that, that are a little bit challenging with the Filipino culture are the other side of the great things. For example, they find it quite hard to say no. They won't always let you know things like I really go through an exercise of asking people's opinion of getting them to step up. We have a weekly meeting. We rotate chairs. So my whole team will chair the meeting. 
So they'll get used to present presenting and running that forum and not being shy. We do a few things like that to really encourage them to speak up and to speak their mind. When I talked about my emotional intuition, like I, I'm always sort of thinking, what else? Tell me more. If they ask me a question, I'm like, what do you think you should do to get their understanding of where we are and what they think should happen next? So I think I, I, I handle that quite well. But if you're not thinking about that, you might make a mistake with sort of your communication, not asking them enough questions or encouraging them to step up in the right way. Um, but then you get the the, the politeness, the, the kind of humility, the, the gratitude. They don't, they're not entitled people. We are from the UK and a traveler, I, I know. And so it's a very different mentality, which is really lovely and humbling sometimes to be around. So yeah, many, many great things about working with Filipinos. I, there are individuals who are a pain in the ass, same as anywhere. That's just like <laughs> culturally uh, amazing, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's certainly been my experience of them. I know we talked about this a little bit, but there's a there, there's part of it that's about the space you create for them to step forward and and take ownership in your business. And we yeah. we were talking off air before uh, we set up this call about you know some of the things. And it sounds like we both do about. Um, saying I'd like you to pick up that topic in the weekly meeting I make sure I have a weekly meeting so they're used to all working together as a team I have three I have had one that that didn't quite work out and it wasn't bad it was just that there was an initiative and thirst for learning from everyone else and this person didn't quite have it and that happens it happens in life but it was completely amicable she was completely grateful for the opportunity it turns out she has another business and she has people working for her and all that sort of thing so I went okay so Mm. that's fine but what I love is you know, I don't see them as contractors, even though they're not employees of my business per se, from a tax point of view. I, I say you are part of my team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to know what your aspirations are. What are some of the things you'd like to learn from me or develop in working with me? But my first one uh, that I got in April of last year, so we're coming up to almost a year together, basically runs the back end of my podcast. I do this I do all the fun speaking stuff and then she does the rest. It's great. Um, And I completely trust her. And she started to step up and do some other stuff now for me, some social media creative and all that sort of thing, which she wasn't confident with. Now, she has also in that period of time um, gone off and had a baby. So she trained her replacement, if you like, to make sure the podcast kept going and all that sort of thing. And now she's back in and she's just taking on more stuff. She's um, because of the podcasting skills that she's developed, she's looking at how she can leverage that into another business for herself. And, you know, while you might say, oh, what what happens if she leaves and all that sort of thing? Look, in corporate, it happens. You need to think about succession. You need to think about what happens when people go, but I'm such a believer in in developing the team so that they feel part of the success of this business. And it's not just all about me, but yeah, my experience of them, like incredibly hardworking. And the thing I always say to them is that if you're struggling or you don't think you're going to hit a deadline, um, just communicate it. We'll work it out. So it's teaching them that it's okay to step forward, go, I'm not going to make it or I can't do this because it's better for me to know that than them be sitting in a room somewhere going, oh, my goodness, Miss Kim's going to be so angry about this because, she, you know, Mm. you need to create the space. I think the other thing we talked about um, with virtual assistants as well, and it's probably there 
anytime you employ someone like this is don't expect them to come ready-made for your business. There's the, the talent and the humility and the hard working, but actually you need to invest time while they learn what you want and actually how you work, how you like to work. And that's one of the benefits of having uh, my first VA for so long is that when I get other ones in, she does an hour of induction with them where she talks them through the systems, but she also says, this is what Miss Kim likes. This is how she likes to communicate. So this is how to get stuff from her. So that's something I've sort of naturally done. But how, how easy do you think clients find it? How ready are they to take on virtual assistance? Is there some sort of training or that sort of thing we should have because you know we've been used to sitting in a corporate getting everybody else to fix the photocopy no it's a great question I mean honestly I think the position of how ready a client is varies from extremely ready has worked with VAs before and knows exactly what they're doing through to doesn't even understand their own day let alone how to get someone to help them with it I'm just going to segue into this is why I created a membership area because it's yep. like a blatant upsell. But it is because everything I create is in response to what are the biggest problems that we see that our clients have now? Because the first problem that our clients usually come with us with is quite often they're like, what is a VA? They call us and they're like, I think I might need one because I know some people who have one and they seem happy. So what is going on? Do I need one? What do you do? What are they? Yeah, I know. It is funny. Um, and uh, and you're like okay um, my lead magnet on my um website was responding to that like it used to be 100 tasks you could delegate to a va now it's 500 tasks you can delegate to a va because we people started copying me which i always find a little bit irritating and i was like let's ramp it up let's say no copying people and here's 500 tasks you can delegate use it but don't copy it that exercise is really an inspirational breakthrough exercise because entrepreneurs, you know, they come in and they start a business and they just decide that they are everything in the business and they will be forever. They are marketing and they are finance and they are their own secretary and they are strategy and vision and they are, oh, they'll have to go and learn 10 extra skills because they might need design and tech and everything else. And they are, you know, all the other things. And it's completely ridiculous and unrealistic. And you wouldn't, I always say you wouldn't do it if you were building a house. You wouldn't say, oh, I need to learn bricklaying and then plumbing and then I need to become an electrician and then I need to like, but, you know, learn design. That would be insanity and you'd never get anywhere. But we, we do it a bit in business. For a lot of people, they need to understand that the more they delegate, the better life will be. Now, it does have to be a good person. If you delegate to somebody who's incompetent, you're going to run into problems. A lot of people have a lot of fear around that. So, you know, that's why part of what we talk people through is our filtering process is very, very involved. We filter on a lot of different things. And we, you know, I won't go too much into the filters, but we get rid of 90% of candidates, you know, through a mix of psychometric aptitude testing, logical reasoning, verbal reasoning. We test their internet speeds. We do referencing. We do background checks. We go on their social media and just make sure they're not insane. We do quite a few different things because people like to broadcast their insanity on there. It's very helpful. So that leaves us with uh, a few people who seem to be much better quality. And that's where we really start with the client process and then match make a bit from there. 
you know, that's one thing is that the more you delegate and, and systemize, like you were talking about, you've got resilience in your business because you started talking about cross-training, handovers, you've set that expectation with VAs. You know, that's a really important thing to introduce. Um, if one good person's got to leave, just task them with, make sure you please help me find another good person because the journey for all three of us, for me, you and the new person is going to be so much easier if we can just do it the right way. So that's all really important to take on board. And then... I did five months of coaching last year. Actually, most of it was complimentary and to test out a few things that I wanted to coach and how people reacted to them and the breakthroughs that they got through. And that's all going to be repackaged and is being repackaged as a membership area. But a lot of people need to start with just what are they doing all day? What does their business look like now? If you're working in a mess and you bring someone else into the mess, how are you going to move forward in tidying it up? And you touched on one thing that we're putting a lot more definition around, a generalist VA, which I would say is someone who comes in and let's say, you know, you, Kim, have identified 10 things in your business that you do over and over again. They're repeat processes and you find them a bit tedious and boring because you just want to grow the business and move it forward. But they have to be done. Otherwise, your operations slow down and stop and you've got problems. So those are always great things to hand off. But you have to be let me show you how to do it. Give them great instructions. Make videos. I show you. You show me. Record it all. Reference it back. They can reference it back. All of those things. And then you start to free up your day. And that is one way to use VAs. Another way to use VAs is to go and find a specialist and launch something new with them. Now, you've got to be very careful that this VA, your expectations isn't that there's some amazing mentor and the same level as someone who would charge $5,000 a month for their services, because we do get some confusion around that. I want someone who's really amazing at this and teaches me. And it's like, are you sure that's a Filipino VA? If you've got no knowledge of that thing, so let's say social media strategy. We get that a lot. Well, I want someone to run my Facebook adverts. So, well, first of all, do you know that some Facebook adverts experts recommend that you have a budget of $5,000 a month just on your adverts, let alone the management cost? Oh, no. Well, that's completely prohibitive to your business. So you're not actually even going to do that. So, you know, what else? There's just no awareness of what it really, really looks like. And then I'm like, what do you mean by social media? What platforms do you know what you're doing? Can you teach them? Do you expect them to teach you? Have they ever done it before? Does the industry that you represent even exist in the Philippines? So if you're demanding 10 years of experience, I may not be able to get that for you because it doesn't exist over there. It, there can be a lot of confusion, unreasonable expectations, and we need to sort of scale it back and say there are real specialists, and that may not come from the Philippines, that can help you drive your, your business forward. There are kind of semi-specialists, I'd say, maybe someone who's really passionate about social media. And if you kind of know your direction and strategy, they've got a natural flair and talent, they'll take it and run with that. I do a lot of that in my business. I take talent, I tell them my vision, and I supervise the build of my vision. And we we work really, really well with that. And then there's the starting point, which is often, what are you doing all day that is making you so stressed you picked up the phone to me? Because no one ever calls the Freedom Geek because I fancy the idea of a virtual assistant. They call because... <laughs> You know, they've only slept four hours a night for the last three months. And they're like, if I if nothing changes, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So what can you do about it? And it's like, all right, well, let's just take a step back and look at your workload and how we start to take it off you. And that really is the starting point and being really practical about that. And then you get people that are very manic. They're like, I don't want to slow down. I can't train. I've got no time. And, and then it's like, well, you are going to crash. That's the truth. Because if you won't do anything differently, you're already speeding towards the wall that you're going to crash into you teach a va really well once find the right person it can be a bit of a process we do as much as we can it's a people business it's not even filipino vas this is people you've all worked with people we know it's quite a 
interesting thing <laughs> but we'll find you somebody good and competent and reliable and that might be a little bit of a process you might have to be a little bit patient and that's life and then you do need to hand off some of your processes first of all you need to recognize that they are processes but if you're doing them over and over and over again they are they, they don't have to be sophisticated they don't have to be within the software even it's just a process and then you know and take it where you are right now it can, you can get better later. I mean, we're all doing that. And then once they start to take one, two, three, four, five, fifty, a hundred processes off you, your life's going to get better. And we can, you know, maybe talk again. <laughs> so, yeah, that's everything that we're putting together with that. And I think that's some of the misunderstanding and and some of it's got to do with control freakitis. I, I've had that as well. There's been things that have been very difficult, even when I was teaching other people. Very difficult. I'm getting better and better at letting go. And there's still some day I get the sweats. Just because I'm like, I'm letting go of quite a high priority task in my business. But then I'm Mm -hmm. like, I've been working with this person one year, two years. They're excellent. They can't wait to get their hands on it. They're just waiting for me to get over myself and let them get on with it. So (laughs) it's great. And then there's this thing that goes on in my head. I completely get that because I'll hand something off and then go, okay, if that person leaves, I have no idea how to do that. So so again, you come back to succession and sharing the knowledge in your business, getting some agreement about if you want to leave this is a normal part of of life and all that sort of thing but this is our agreement about you know let's look for and train the next person together have a think about how we redistribute things in the business particularly when you know someone's your second in command you mentioned the membership area and i uh, from my understanding it's a membership area for clients yeah um yeah yeah so to be clear on that so so talk a little bit more about what this membership area is and what it will have and how it's built to help clients I think my my thing with it is that right I, I call like I cheekily call myself the queen of delegation sometimes and I'm obsessed with replacing myself so sometimes clients want to talk to me and there will be a variety of reasons for that and I always know what the reason is that they want to talk to me because there's a couple of things there. There's there's a kind of potential relationship with me and, and that needs to kind of happen on my terms. Like it needs it needs to be not my turn. It needs to be, it needs to make sense for where I am in the business today. If, if a client's calling and saying, I want all your services at half price. I want to speak to Imogen about it now. I'd be like, well, I've designed a response for that, which everyone is allowed to send out on my behalf. So that's a new thing that I've done because it's it doesn't let me grow or my business grow. And it's not a reason that I'd like to you know speak to somebody someone invites me into a podcast wants to collaborate in a way that's really attractive to my business growth I can add value to their audience it lines up with my ethics and my journey 100% I'm always going to be very responsive to that otherwise there are quite a few gatekeepers around me now which is kind of interesting but my um and they're good gatekeepers I mean they're intelligent people they're there for a reason I, I empower them to act on my behalf so the membership area is my challenge to myself to download my brain onto the internet yeah I watch a lot of dystopian future stuff so I think it affects (laughs) my language sometimes so I want it to cover everything from the simple ABCs to how you get started in in my language and with my experience because sometimes that's what people want through to complex individual situations that people are confused about and have a section for everything and One of the things we kind of touched upon it before with one of your questions, the clients that come to us are really from a a diversity of situations from 
no idea how to start day one with a VA. Really need practical step by step guidelines um, on how to not and how to get ready to have one. Not even how to have one. How to get ready to have one through to people that are like that's a waste of time. I already know that, and they would start at a different point in the membership area. So that's what I'm really aiming to create. We, we're already live. We've got about six chapters live. Chapter seven is imminent. I see there being. I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 chapters at the end of it, most of which exist, but they're very messy and we're cleaning them up and then uploading them. The journey would go from like get ready, mindset, working smart, working productive, being self-aware about what you really do all day, understanding the potential for VAs, the common mistakes that we see people making through to the like, especially with the selection process from the client side, managing expectations. You know, what should you be looking at when you look at CVs? We've occasionally had people who are very insistent that this person is perfect on paper. And they won't see anybody until they're happy with the CV. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Or I've had clients that are like, I will only look as someone with work from home experience. And I'm like, if I had had that approach, I would not be working with 90% of my team because most of them did not come to me with work from home experience. And I would not replace my team because they're phenomenal. And so I'm like, I don't think that's quite right. And I always say, I don't really care to, sometimes I need a certain amount of background experience or interest in a particular thing. Sometimes, um, sometimes I'm completely open and I just want a bright, talented person who's hungry, who's smart, who's switched on, who, who shows that to me and who wants to take their career into their own hands and in a certain extent within my business. And, you know, I do come across those people. I, I love working with them. The team is really strong right now. It's the strongest team I've ever worked with. Um, and I intend to continue that. And it's, yeah, it's just amazing. But yeah, just talking clients through the selection process through um, I'm writing material at the moment, which I'm quite excited about, which is how they can onboard a VA without getting overwhelmed by that part of the process. Because I know they're already working like 14 hour days or whatever the situation is. I know that. So I, I know that they need a bit of help on how do they even know that VA is good when they barely have time to speak to them. So I'm designing kind of like um, a week's worth of how you spend your first week together, what tasks you can give them, how you can assess them on the back of the task and how you can make a decision after one week of working together because that's what I personally do about whether you should continue or not and then you know if you do want to let them go how do you have that conversation because I actually found firing really difficult or parting ways you know and it was something that I needed to upskill on then it would be like you know some systemization security relationship building the long-term view assessments going forward into the future team building just further and further and further. And as I learn, I'll keep putting it into that membership area until I can get to a point with the Freedom Geek where, I mean, a lot of it runs without me operationally. Um, I'm doing three big projects this year. One is incredible content, which is basically the membership. One is, um, and releasing our first subscription information product for profitability. The other one is profitability, really looking at everything we do and how to make it more profitable, both by kind of doing, we're doing a bit of a price increase and we're, we're, we're getting rid of some things we don't really need as well. Third one is content profitability and systemization. So I'm looking at all of our processes, all of our systems, and I'm going through an exercise of improving all of them with the view to this is how they're going to work for the next five years, like putting in true resiliency, uniformity across the team, much better templates for responding for customers. We're creating incredible templates with more giveaways and resources and hyperlinks to the membership area. At this stage of your journey, you should ideally be checking out like this part of the membership area, et cetera, so that they really get like a whole holistic approach supported by excellent information. I have never seen a Filipino agency do anything like that before. 
So I think that very proudly we're a kind of cutting level innovation with this. So mm, definitely. And certainly hired before in corporate, but having a, a VA was my first experience and it was with the Freedom Geek. And so I was really impressed by that first sort of sales call, if you like, um, mm-hmm. that 45 minutes where it kind of addressed all the things I was worried about because the the, the thing I didn't want is that on um, social media, I get approached a lot by people saying, I'm a VA, do you need help? I'm social media, I, do you need help? I won't actually take those. What I will take is when other people recommend and because it feels like they've done the filtering process because I know that people want a chance, but I kind of go, you know, I don't know you from Adam. So that whole filtering process at the start was super useful. You only had the 100 tasks when I started, um, but that was useful as well because it made me stop and think and go through things. Because I'm a marketer, I wasn't quite ready to give up the social media and all of that sort of stuff. I wanted help on other things that I just didn't want to do. So I sort of got my head around, okay, these are the things I can give to someone. And then it happened that I was launching the podcast on Apple, Spotify and all of that sort of stuff. So, and because I was so busy, I was working um, with clients overseas sort of like a week after my VA started, she basically taught herself based on a video call we did with a, with a podcast coach. So she taught herself all the tech, all of that background. So I have never had to do it. So I feel really blessed. But I think some of the other things that that onboarding, it, mm-hmm. I think that's that's huge yes. because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know how to set ourselves up, particularly for our first VA. So I think a lot of this content, it is game changing because it takes some of the uncertainty um, it, and it kind of says, look, lots of people ask this question. You're not stupid. Mm-hmm. You're not dumb. Um, you're not incompetent. You're just where people are. I think the other question that comes up quite a lot is, you know, what you pay people because, Mm -hmm. you know, paying a Filipino VA is less than if you took someone in the UK. And I really liked the way the people in your business talked about this is why the rate is fair and and that sort of thing. And I think that's a big, I think that's quite a big challenge for people in other countries that face. So do you want to say a little, just a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. There's a a couple of things. Um, (laughs) I am like a lot of business owners. I am my own avatar. I am the avatar that I used to be. So with people calling, um, I mean, I did a lot of sales calls, hundreds, maybe a couple of thousand. And I would do my my pitch my script and I had a couple of people just laugh afterwards and be like they're like you know what's going on in my head they're like I, I didn't even have to say anything and you answered like the voice in my head and my concerns and I was like yeah because I had those concerns and I know what you're feeling and where you're at the interesting thing is I taught someone else to do that for me so you got to you know Yasmin um, who takes the sales calls now she's a Filipino the word VA virtual assistant I think I think as well for me it's just a smart person it's a smart person who works online at one point there was a movement in the Philippines they wanted to be called virtual professionals I tried using that term people find it confusing they want to talk about virtual assistants they've got some kind of preconception about that's what they want so you know I I use that term loosely because some of the team my team are highly specialized some of them and Yasmin had a particular talent for sales talking to people she's an actress I don't know if she told you that she's um yeah she's been on like tv in the Philippines she's amazing she's a creative person I'm also a creative person so she found my script very natural for her temperament and personality and when I say it's scripted I mean she jumps like I did jumps on and off the script and will be playful and rapport build and talk to people about their lives or tell people about her life she's you know she's got total 
freedom to do all of that. But what she also needs to do is take them on the emotional journey of where we believe them to be through to like, you know, explain how we solve their problems. And I thought that was something that was impossible to delegate at the beginning. And I found it difficult to let go of sales. And we really looked for um, the right person. It took three months to find her, even with filtering hundreds and hundreds of candidates as we do. And then it took me another three months to train her. And every day I was on sales calls. And at the beginning, and she would be on them with me. And at the beginning, she just introduced herself. And then I got her to explain parts of my script. And then I would take back over until she took over more and more and more of it. And I had to rescue a couple of situations. But when the person coming on the phone, I'd always say to them, I'm actually training someone at the moment. Um, I live what I do. So I'm literally training a Filipino VA to replace these calls. You're going to see everything that I do as part of this call. Is that okay with you? And people, because that sounds quite interesting for people. They're like, sure, like go ahead. So, you know, just as long as I explained it to the person, so it didn't come across as weird. And then she got so good that I was bored in the room on the call. So then I left. So I was like, I'm done. Bye. Um, And I, you know, she's done hundreds of calls and that's, you know, I do give her a couple of other tasks, but that's her main focus. Whereas I was trying to do that and 10 other things. And I was a wreck because I was doing it from Mexico and up at, you know, 4.30 to get on calls at 5 a.m. with Europe. And I didn't resent it because I wanted to live abroad and have that freedom. But when I say my life wasn't always glamorous, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about and the kind of thing that I went through. And by, you know, midday, I could have done seven you know, sales calls. And then I start my actual work that I wanted to do that day. I was, I was, I've been through the different pains of it. So just wanted to mention that because it looks seamless and I work really hard to make it look seamless. And we are aware of where the clients are at. And, you know, we've really, that part of helping kind of the newer people like into the beginning of the process, we've got pretty good at that, but now it's like the follow-up that I'm really going to address and make that membership something that people want to be part of. And I want to create a really great community. That's going to be like a phase two because phase one's intense, um, but we'll get the info out and then we'll keep, you know, keep going and, and have more support for candidates as like a phase two, phase three as well. Like have, can, I, I want to teach Filipino candidates how to up manage entrepreneurs a bit better because mm. mm. a lot of them haven't got a clue and some customers come to us and say I want this person to manage me yeah. and we're like they can't do that but we will give them some materials to help them along the way I'd never set that expectation because I think it's unfair yeah. on, on people if they if you're a corporate EA who's got 15 years in banking you can up manage an alpha CEO but yeah. if you're a Filipino VA, like probably don't have that background or that experience, you're going to find that person terrifying. Or so, that culture as well. Yeah, you know, as you said, you know, yeah. they're a very humble, grateful people. I worked with, with one of mine for a year and she still calls me Miss Kim. <laughs> that sort of thing. But yeah. she does manage me now uh-huh. because okay. I've asked yeah. her to do that. I've, you know, I've created an environment and I say, you know, we've had conversations where inadvertently I've kind of said, you know, this is urgent and, you know, she's got a young baby and all that sort of thing. And she had a call with me and just said, made me really stressed and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, having that openness so that you create a really strong and productive relationship between you and allowing her to up manage me, not always having the answers what do you think I should do? I've got this, blah, blah, blah. So I think the up managing, I think, is difficult for everybody. But my experience so far of the VAs I've had is that you need to sort of pull them towards you to give them permission to do that from a cultural yeah. point of view. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and I, I think we will create a framework for it as well. So we'll encourage mm. them to do things like send this message before you start on the first day, send this message when you start on the first yeah. day, suggest a weekly meeting, ask them their availability, remember to check the time difference when you go to that weekly meeting here's a very high level 
agenda that you could suggest that they follow if that's okay with them and, and start to sort of put in the framework for, for them to understand a communication that will be very difficult to say no to for the entrepreneur that they'll it will just seem professional appropriate and like that person's got control and that's what I'm aiming for yeah. rather than there's kind of an expectation for that but the VA doesn't always know there's an expectation for that and then we can if they don't set up regular communication sessions they're going to get into trouble with each other quite quickly yeah so you know and that's nothing to do with talent we've got really talented VAs who've been lost unfortunately with that process so that's part of what I'm teaching people to do and and you know I'm excited about that part of the development and then we're talking about money. So money is a really interesting one. This is one where I had to be very careful because especially out there in the Facebook forum world, people are very willing to troll me for um, being an unethical business owner without knowing anything about my business by being like, oh, Filipino VAs, that's disgusting. You're like, you're ex exploitative. And, you know, the things that get thrown. Mm. And I'm like, wow, okay, let's just get back out into the real world. First of all, you speak to any of my team about you know their happiness their development etc i think there's a few different things with money and salary and part of again what we're creating for the membership area is i interviewed the team for about eight hours we cut it down to about six hours of content and we talked about living wages in the philippines sorry living um, expenses and wages in the philippines the opportunities available locally versus the opportunities available through foreign um employers and entrepreneurs using contractors, etc. We talked about um, retirement. We talked about women in the workplace. We talked about what they felt was bad money. I said, if, if you were talking to a friend and they said to you, they are earning X amount and your reaction was, oh, that's bad money. How much is that figure? I asked them and I asked them the same. What would be, if they said a figure and you were like, wow, that's good money. What's that figure? So to get really specific about it, and it varies from being in Manila to different cities to out in the countryside as it would with London versus business cities in the UK, blah, blah, blah. And we talked and we talked and we talked and I asked them everything. And I think that we got a really great sort of holistic interview, which we're going to make available. We're working on it. I think there are a couple of other things that you need to bear in mind. You could pay someone in the Philippines pretty well or really well to have a great life compared to most of the opportunities available to them. And it would cost your business probably about 10 times less than it would to hire someone locally. For a small business owner, that may be the only solution for them. You know, UK VAs can get a bit prickly with me as well and be like, oh, what are you, are you competition? I'm like, uh, this is the new world is coming. It's like the internet. It's not going away. So just get used to it. And by the way, upskill and niche and you go to people with a really powerful value proposition, they'll pay you for it. If you want to go to someone and be like, you know, pay me 25 quid for data entry when someone in the Philippines will do that for, you know, two or three pounds, forget it, you're toast. That's the world that we're in today. That's not an attractive proposition for people. So, you know, UK VAs need to position themselves to be useful to certain industries, to have certain skill sets. They need to be clever. Some of them are becoming GDPR advisories, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of ways that they can can do that. They just need to be clever and switched on. And all, all VAs do really, you know, smart people. So, you know, UK VAs don't need to be threatened by me. And actually, they might want to expand out and hire Filipino VAs themselves and take their business to the next level. Why not teach them all the things that they know? So this is the world that we live in today. Um, I see it's collaborative. I'm friends with a couple of UK uh, VA agencies um, who were very open they're like yeah let's talk and we do and it's great and they'll cross they'll refer people to me as well they'll be like yeah it's not for us maybe it's for you so I'm like okay Absolutely. cool yeah 
So just to mention that, and then I think, you know, the small business world, there's affordability. Is this the only option really available to you with your, where your business is at today? And it will provide a work from home career for like maybe, you know, a mother in the Philippines with flexible hours. That's not unethical. That's a fantastic match. How much do you pay them? We will give guidelines. And then the question is, how profitable is your business right now? Do you, you know, are you not very profitable and you need to kind of keep it within, you know, what you know is fair, but you can still balance that? Or is your business making so much money that you could afford to pay them double and they're incredible? In which case, just get on with it and don't bring me into it because it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Good answer to a tough question, I think. <laughs> so we've been talking for quite a while, Imogen. I've absolutely loved this conversation. It's been fantastic. So in we've talked about the membership um, area coming up, and that's sort of the main thing for you. Is there anything else um, coming up you want to you want to share with listeners? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of transformation in this uh, this year, 2022. I called it the year of transformation for us, and our January and our February were they were the best months we've ever had, which was kind of an accident because I just I just told people like we're making changes, we're going to do price increases, we're not going to do some of the things we used to do, and there was a huge response to that. Some of the things that we're doing, we're separating generalists and specialists and really defining them a lot more for people. So hopefully there'll be a bit less confusion about that. We've got in-house services which will launch imminently they're kind of sort of ready but we're just sort of uh, dotting the i's and crossing the t's as it were which are going to be editing video editing audio editing image editing we get asked for that a lot and rather than sort of you know have a VA who doesn't really know what they're doing, doing bits and pieces. We're going to have an in-house specialist team who knows what they're doing. And we're going to teach clients how to work with editors if they've not done it before, because a lot of people haven't got a clue. So that will be part of, again, a bit of a USP for us. And that will be an in-house. It's the first time I've got in-house services where I'm actually loaning people out to people. But it's the beginning of that too. My, my, I suppose my vision is that someone would come and get like a great generalist or a couple of great generalists. But if they only need, you know, 10 hours of editing a week, just use our services rather than hire their own editor and that person's bored and looking for other things and blah, 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 blah. So that's a movement as well. The membership area is the big one. And um, I've kind of explained that. I have I have always wanted to be in info products. It's a, just an area of entrepreneurship, which really excites me. I love to learn. I love the things that are being, you know, you just find fantastic people with fantastic knowledge and info products makes it possible to access them if you didn't have the money for one-to-one coaching you know and I I love that there's lots of nonsense and rubbish stuff out there as well but there's some really great things so I'm excited about that expansion and the way that we're doing it and the support and the results that will hopefully come from much more transparency answers education etc for the clients and then the candidates as we develop it And yeah, those are the main things for the Freedom Geek. Um, I think there's a couple more things coming. We've got a little bit of, we've got a few affiliate partners that we're working with. Um, I'm very conscientious that our affiliates need to be people that completely make sense and that I like and that I use their products and stuff like that. So um, we'll be gradually doing more and more with a view to supporting Um, offering more support services that we are asked for anyway, but doing it through partners that I have confidence in. And then also offering people the opportunity to become affiliates, which people have been asking forever. Um, But again, in line with making the business more profitable and being able to sort of pay out a little bit around that, that's again, one of the things that will come into play this year after a few other things. 
Yeah, that that's most of it. I mean, we really are full steam ahead. And this, yeah, I mean, I took a bit of a um a moment to reflect towards the end of last year about what I really wanted from the Freedom Geek. I've met some American entrepreneurs in Mexico who had systemized their businesses to the most unbelievable level. And they really inspired me. And I was like, I want to systemize it as well. But I wanted to systemize it using my voice. I want people to enjoy our processes and our systems. You said you enjoyed the sales calls with Yasmin. That was, you know, that was part of the, I want that to be an experience, whether it's a people, a system, et cetera, is possible. Um, it's when it's cold and dismissive that people don't like it. So I want to avoid that. Um, but I want to get to a place where I truly don't need to go to work at the Freedom Geek and can step up. Not because I don't want to. I love it. But where I can genuinely replace myself in every single thing that I can think of. First of all, for lifestyle, it'll be great just to do the high level check so you're happy. It will free me up to potentially start other businesses in future. It will be the crowning achievement of teaching people how to systemize and delegate that I get to that level within my own business. And, you know, we know it's possible. We've got people like Richard Brunson running 400 companies, which no single man can do. So clearly there's a process for putting in the right people, delegation structures and stepping out. So yeah, that's all, that's a longer term vision, but that's all, you know, part of what's, what's coming in the future, I believe. Wow. So not much really. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, it's interesting because that is exactly, but with building brand you and, and Artemis Futures, that is exactly the model. This is about the kind of life I want to live, the people I want to spend time with. I know my own nature that I will, you know, I will want to do other things and explore other things. So this is about building this business so that it is resilient and can run without me. So Mm -hmm. how do I systematize? How do I how do I teach people? But then how do I let go enough? So we talked about control freakery earlier on. And when you are the brand, I think that's a big thing. You kind of go, wow, I'm letting my, how much of my voice am I going to let go? And how much is okay? And all of that sort of thing. So now I've started to say to my team, some stuff we send out, I'm saying, don't send it from me anymore. It comes from the team. Because I want people to start thinking about this is not just Kim on her own. This is about, you know, a team. And we are a team. We support each other. I may be the person in front and the figurehead, but I couldn't do it without them. So I think bringing them in as part of that is really, really, really important. Um, So we've talked about all sorts of things over the last hour or so. So if you were going to leave a piece of advice or a nugget or something for building brand new listeners that Mm -hmm. they could pick up and take away and do something with today, what would that be? There's there's two things. One is VA related and one is life related. Um, yeah. if that's okay. So I think on the VA related one, people might be sort of skeptical, be like, you would say that. But this is not really come from me. This has come from we've interviewed 30, 40 clients, something like that. We we but the clients we interviewed and many of them are already live on our website, lots of them just said, get a VA sooner than you think you'll need one. Because everybody picks up the phone when they're in pain and they need the pain to stop. And it would be so much better to start a bit earlier. And again, that's what the membership area is kind of designed, helping people get ready, helping them understand where they're headed um, and how the VA can kind of help them where they are at that point in time. So I think get get one sooner rather than later. Um, The other one is kind of touched upon what we had with the very early conversation that was a bit more of like a life one Many people are very familiar with this. It really resonated with me a lot, which was the the book that was written called um, The Biggest Regrets of the Dying. And that book was um, written by a nurse who um, was taking care of 
people who are either very elderly, they're near the end of the life, or they were terminally ill and maybe a bit younger. And um, she noticed patterns on what they were talking to her about. And people get very honest at that point in their life, because why wouldn't you? Nothing to lose, right? And so she mapped out the figure, the five biggest regrets of the dying. And I always thought the number one was really interesting, which is the one that says, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I think there's so much of that going on, on, on either a sort of smaller or bigger level. And I decided to become an entrepreneur. I decided to give myself permission for that. My, no one, I didn't know that many. I, I did start to meet them through the property investing community and realize, wow, they're real, like people. That's like, you know, my parents weren't like that. They're pretty traditional. So, you know, I decided to become a digital nomad. I didn't know anyone like that. I think my, my friends are still like, what is going on? But at the same time, they're like, oh, we'll come and visit you. Like people have, some people are embracing it, which has been really nice. And other choices, the things that I decided to do in my free time. And, you know, even here in Turkey, like, because so, sometimes they get curious about me. I've been staying in the same area for um, four weeks and they start asking me questions like, where are you from? What do you do? Why are you here? You don't seem to be on holiday. We're a bit confused because you're still here. How long is your holiday here? And um, so I explain that I work online and usually I get there's just uh, there's just so many ways to live a life. And just, you know, I am a little extreme in some of what I do. There's another quote that I find really inspiring, which goes like, don't live the same day for 70 years and call it a life. That bothers me because I'm very motivated by growth and variety. It doesn't have to bother anyone else. If you're happy doing whatever you're doing, just do it. But I do think you need to give yourself permission to be a bit different or do things a bit differently and embrace that, you know. And there are nomads with families as well. Like it, it doesn't mean that you have to choose one or the other. It's just be like, what? what do you want or what makes sense to you and really go after it and if people are dying and saying make sure that you pay attention to that as a number one thing and they're the ones that really know I feel then I think everyone should be paying attention 40 50 60 20 years before they get to that point and for yeah. me that's really really important and it makes people very uncomfortable yeah. um, to think about but I think that you know why are we here <laughs> yeah um, I have no regrets. I, I, I make loads of mistakes. I mess up loads of things, um, but I definitely don't have any regrets at this stage. And I hope that that is my mindset for the next however long I get. Well, I hope so for you and I hope so for me. <laughs> um, I, we, will, we will put um, a link to that book in the show notes. Um, I have heard it before. I haven't read it. I've heard snippets. Um, so I had heard yes. the, what, what you talked about, but it's made me think I'm going to sort of go and find it and actually there's, read it properly. Yeah, there's an article that was written by, I think it might be the New York Times and it summarises the points. I think that article is excellent. We'll put yeah. both in the show notes and right. then people can choose yeah. for themselves. You might want to read the article first and then say, oh, actually, I'm interested in reading the book. You might want to go straight to the book. The article might be enough for you. So we'll give people some options. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, how, if people want to find out about, more about the Freedom Geek or anything else that's coming up, you know, how do they get in touch with you, Imogen? Thefreedomgeek.com. It's thefreedomgeek.com, not freedomgeek.com or freedomgeeks.com, which we get called. I'm like, oh, no, do we have that domain? <laughs> um, so um, thefreedomgeek.com. You can download the 500 tasks to delegate to a virtual assistant. So if people want that to use that as an inspiration and starting point, and that document does very effectively stop people asking the question, what can they do? Because they suddenly realize the answer is pretty infinite. And what are you doing today is the other side of that, that they start to explore. Um, and the little check boxes where people can kind of tick, I'm doing that, I'm not doing that. So they can get their head around it in like 
layered ways. Um, you can book a call in there with um, Yasmin to talk to her about our process and your situation and come to us with any other questions. Just make sure that you kind of, you know, from the 500 tasks, you're kind of fed through onto our mailing list as long as you're happy with that. And then company updates and things will gradually flow through there. And um, follow us on social media with a Freedom Geek on, on Facebook and pretty um, Freedom Geek Rebellion on Instagram. Feeling feeling spicy that day. And then... Um, <laughs> And then um, you can sort of monitor what we do. We talk to the audience about it. Um, and then the membership area. So, you know, I think that we can sort of, I can talk to you about how to give your audience um, kind of limited access a run so they can access it and see what's in there. And then if they like it, they can subscribe to it. But we'll give them yeah, a couple of weeks to check it out. Okay, excellent. Well, again, listeners, we'll put all of that information in, in the show notes, uh, just in case you are frantically trying to scribble everything down, don't worry, it will it will be in the show notes. I think the only thing left for me to say, Imogen, is just, just thank you for coming on the show, uh, for being such an amazing guest. You know, we talked before, but I had, you know, I kind of had no idea of some of the, the detail of how you'd come out of corporate life to entrepreneur and and the way you've set up the Freedom Geek, which I just think is absolutely awesome, both from understanding it in our conversation today and your aspiration for it, but also through through being a very happy client and having experienced a lot of what you've talked about and sort of tried to adapt that in my business. So just just thank you for your generosity and your and your time. And uh, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> No, Kim, thank you. It was a great conversation like for me as well. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. And listeners, don't forget to tune in. Next week, we'll be back with more amazing Building Brand You content. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand You podcast. I'm Kim Hamer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For all the latest news and special offers, hot tips and exclusive content, you can also become a member of the Building Brand You Facebook group. Just type Building Brand You into the Facebook search box and request to join. And if you want to unlock your reputation, your results and your impact right away, our new program, The Vice Squad, is now live. You'll find the link to find out more and to register your place in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.